Hey guys, do you work in emergency medicine, an absolutely crazy and intense environment where you see things every day that a regular person doesn't see once in their entire life? You feel burned out, unappreciated, like there's no one you can talk to about the things you are struggling with? Well, you are not alone. I have a bunch of real professionals with real stories here with me today that can relate to your struggles. I've struggled with burnout, discouragement, frustration many times and still struggle with it. My name is Aaron. I've been in emergency medicine for 15 years as an EMT paramedic and now emergency medicine PA, and I am the host of Practical EMS Podcast. And with that, I will introduce my guests and we will get started. So on today's show, guys, this will be kind of the January panel. I called the last series our December panel because um, that's when we kind of released all of it. This one's going to be kind of a January release through the beginning of February. We'll kind of be chatting with these same folks about a bunch of different topics, and hopefully you guys find some value from that. Um, with that, we've got two returning guests, Casey and Nathan, um, and we've got two new guests, Doug and Sarah. So let's start with this is Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> um, and we will... Sarah. Clarification. Fusion. Um, so Sarah, if you wouldn't mind just saying kind of your credentials, your length of time in emergency medicine, and if there's like any specific story that like inspired you to get into emergency nursing. Everyone's watching. Oh, well, <laughs> hi there. My name is Sarah and I've been a nurse for a little over nine years. I have worked in emergency medicine for four years next week. And it's really been quite the journey and finding, honestly, while it's high burnout job situation, it's actually super fulfilling. Love I definitely it. talk with my hands. So. And it's been super inspiring to kind of find the team and find the differences that emergency medicine can inspire in both the teamwork and also the unique stories and and illnesses that we get to see totally um the thing that really inspired me to become a nurse at all was my grandma was a nurse for 25 years and she actually saw the beginning of emergency medicine she graduated in the 50s and it's it's back to the, like the tights and and the hat when you were wearing it and then she watched the emergency medicine specialty really evolve. And then she became a nurse at a local ER for 20 years. And I never thought that I had quite that personality, but I eventually gave it a shot after five years of nursing. And I definitely feel like I found a home. Very cool. Nice. Casey, why don't you go and kind of introduce yourself again? Gosh, I've been on here three times. I mean, really. <laughs> you have. Uh, I guess that they say that most podcast audience is kind of a rotating pool, though. Yeah. So they, yeah, may not, yeah. they may not know you. Well, I was just going to comment that, you know, knowing him, there's probably a bunch of new people. Yeah. Because once they hear it, they're like, Ooh. I bet you I know your grandmother. <laughs> I just love um, your we'll beard. <laughs> yeah. I just, I wish that it's the cool. outfits, the it. nursing outfits hadn't changed. Oh, yeah. But. That's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Casey. I've uh, been a paramedic for, I don't know, 160 years, something like that. You created EKGs. Um, <laughs> yeah. Somebody asked me the other day, were you there when Christ was born? I said, yes. He had brown eyes <laughs> uh, when he was born. Yeah. So I've been doing it a, a while. Um, at the place I'm working now, I've been doing it 360 months. Uh, a little more now, 363 months. But um, I've got a few years before that. Got into paramedicine uh, actually uh, from a when I was little, little. Uh, I told this story before. Um, I think 
when I was here, but a couple of brothers lived down the street from me and they worked for an ambulance company and uh, they used to bring their ambulance home and they would run from, from home at night. So I used to see that ambulance go up and down the ambulance, uh, the street, you know, going on calls, lights flashing. I, I think, I, like I said, I, I think I have something about rotating lights that <laughs> yeah. kind of, I don't know, just triggers it in yeah, your brain. sucked me in. And um, so I was about five years old and um, I always wanted to do that. And I dated a girl and eventually married her and her dad owned uh, one of the ambulance companies in town. And so I worked for him and um, one of the doctors in the town, we didn't have paramedics. And so I he saw some potential. I don't know why. In me. And uh, one of the other medics that I'd uh, gone to high school with, or one of the other EMTs that I'd gone to high school with that worked with the other ambulance company, and he asked us if um, we wanted to go to paramedic school, he would pay for it. And we said, hmm, yeah, let me <laughs> twist my arm. And so, yeah, we did that. And uh, we went to uh, the same school, and it was the best school in, in the world at the time. And um, uh, so I went to school and became one of the first two paramedics in the city that I was living in and, uh, got my, um, start there and then came here. And I was told if I wanted to hone my craft, this was the place to do it. And, and they were right. So came here and then I've been to Arizona and stuff, uh, since, and then, but I've been back here for over 30 years. So very cool. Yeah. I'm still trying to divide 360 months by 12. Oh, did, did you see me out. doing this? I'm still not. Okay. Oh, I'm like, that's a lot of numbers. <laughs> I'm not good at math. <laughs> My name's Aaron. I'm an emergency medicine PA. I was an EMT, I think, for two years, paramedic for somewhere around 10, and went uh, part-time, I think, in 2018, I think, somewhere around there. So I've been an emergency medicine PA for four years. And haven't been practicing as a paramedic for about that same length of time. You should come work. I've thought about it. It's just a lot. I mean, things change like any any field, and like I can't keep up with the technology changes and how you call into the hospital it's and you know, how do you talk to a patient. I don't that, know. That you know to do. All you gotta do is say stop that. Okay. <laughs> it hurts when I do that. Don't do that. <laughs> I just became an EMT because somebody told me to get it and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I knew I wanted to do something in medicine and someone was like, well, get your EMT. I had no idea what that was. And so I got it and just kind of fell in love with emergency medicine and um, kept progressing with it from there. I don't think I could ever switch to a different specialty. Everything else I think would be too slow paced. I like shifts to go by quickly and uh, emergency medicine definitely does that for me. So Nathan. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, I'm Nate. If you guys do know me, um, I've been in EMS for about nine years now, and now I'm going to be working at a hospital, so that's going to be interesting. Maybe we'll, we can talk about that transition actually a little bit because a lot of EMTs on on forums and stuff like that really want to know what the difference between hospital and I'd an appreciate it. Looks like so, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I joined medicine for the depression, suicidal. I'm diagnosed bipolar type two, which is more the depression side. To this day, I don't understand what happiness is. I don't get it. I just don't. Um, I have five suicides under my belt. Three of them I should have succeeded. I used to be an alcoholic, an opiate addict, and I used to prostitute myself for those drugs. So I actually joined medicine for that side of things because that shit gets overlooked a lot. That's pretty much I have a strength. ADHD, sorry. <laughs> I haven't taken my ADHD meds yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. I felt a string and I had to pull it. <laughs> That's pretty much it with me. <laughs> you got it. I'm up. All right. So my name's Doug. I'm Hi, Doug. 
I'm an emergency medicine physician and I've been one for here uh, where I'm currently working for about 23 years. And before that was one year in a different state. As far as stories of why we got into this, I don't really have as good a one as everybody else does. It was Your story is valid. A, it's valid. It's boring, but it's valid. It's, it's more of a, I was in high school and I loved science. I loved math. I loved physics. I loved chemistry. So I went into college to, and got a biomedical engineering degree. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. And then I started doing it. And I thought, I don't want to sit at a, at a desk in an office for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I was kind of turned on to medicine that way. And, you know, ended up going to medical school and, and went around all the different types of specialties that they had and pretty much fell in love with each one as I did it. And one of my most, probably one of the last ones I did was an ER rotation. And I thought, oh yeah, this is badass. So this is what I want to do. This is what I want to feel. I love the excitement of it. I love the see them, get gratification, fix them, never see them again. I literally feel attitude. so like I've done jack shit with my life just <laughs> hearing that. <laughs> you say chemical about, I'm like, damn. Yeah. Well, I'm like damn near as old as Casey is probably. So. No, it's, it, you're, you got 10 years with some experience. That's all it is. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've, when we moved here, I, you know, I love the job. I love the people. I did nights for 13, 14 years. Love nights. Finally had to transition to days as I got a little bit older and, you know, due to family stuff. And so now I do all day stuff. So it's a kind of a different group of people that I work with, different mm -hmm. group of, of paramedics that I get to see, uh, you know, different cops that I used to see all the time that I don't see anymore. So it's kind of a, a, a transition from the night attitude to the day attitude. And there is a definite difference there, mm -hmm. but I like it. I like sleeping all night. I like being at home with my family. So yeah. um, that's, you know, why I got an ER rep job was just because I thought it was, we get to do a bunch of cool stuff and need to really help people and immediately get the gratification both personally and for them. And then you never see them again. And then we never see them again. Well, yeah. usually I see a lot of people yeah. a lot of times, but in general, the feeling is you treat them, you fix them, or at least you help them. And then they go. Yep. So I agree that as far as with, with Aaron, that it'd be tough to do a different specialty. Yeah. Um, that, is a little bit slower paced, you know, even though I've gotten older, I'm like, I still like it. So it's, it's different, but I still like it. Yeah. That's the one thing I was having problems with. Cause like, whenever I did get fired, I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, am I going to stay in medicine? Cause like, I have a very odd, um, I, I know how to lock pick very well. So I even looked at lock picking jobs. Oh, I've got one. For Where you. is this going? Yeah. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Yeah. So I started like looking at that stuff and then I'm like, I don't know anything else to do, but medicine, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. That's about where I'm at. It's like, if you even consider doing something else, people are like, why don't you just do something different? I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I can't. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in so far down this hole that it's tough to get out. And when you have a comfortable position, you just kind of roll with it. And yeah. You just kind of look forward to your free time. Yeah. yeah. I'm coming to the end of it. And I'm like, but I still feel good. You know, mm -hmm. um, my brain's still working for the most part. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, do I really want to stop? You know, because um, I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, you know. I've been at crossroads right now. So. But you have a right to take a break. I yeah. want just you make put sure. put your time in. Yeah. You, you, you get it. Just yeah. make sure you're the one that calls 911 every day of every <laughs> second. And then we, yeah. and then people show up and you're butt naked, you're yeah. covered in shit. Make yeah. sure you do that. I mean, if you haven't done that at least once in your life. <laughs> are you even I mean, living? Are you even living? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
Everything you hear today from myself and my guests is opinion only. It does not represent any organizations or companies that any of us are affiliated with. The stories you hear have been modified to protect patient privacy and any resemblance to real individuals is coincidental only. This is for educational and entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice nor used to diagnose any medical or health care conditions. I will say that I'm glad you're going to be working in the hospital I'm working in as a lock picker because there's a time I locked myself in a bathroom and <laughs> the no, there was nobody capable of getting me out. At the hospital? Yeah, at the hospital. I've, That's I've bad. never used that bathroom since. I went in, locked the door, and as I locked it, something did not feel Sound right, right yeah. in that lock. Well, if I'm in like my little cubicle and I get a text saying, I need help. <laughs> oh, what's going on? Bring I'm stuck lock. in a bathroom. <laughs> Fortunately, I had my phone, so I called the charge nurse. I said, hey, I'm locked in a bathroom. She's like, Aaron, quit screwing around. What are you, like, get back to work. What are you doing? I'm like, no, I'm, I'm really stuck in the bathroom. Like, I need someone to come get me out of here. Bro, so they know, call facilities. There's probably, it's like two in the morning. There's nobody capable of getting a door open. And so one of our docs, who happens to be able to lock pick, yeah. had to bust yeah, down this door. Is. At one point, he's... Like throwing himself against the door, oh and then he, he has the tools to jimmy this thing open, and I've been mentally scarred ever since. Time? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you know who it is. <laughs> you know, for a Dan, while, every time I'd come to work, and he would be there picking locks. He'd have six or seven locks, and he's just picking them. And doing I so I'm like, like, what are you doing this for? He's like, I just want to pick locks. I have invited him on the show, and he's turned me down. So, <laughs> does he work? <laughs> we're going to be working him, really. <laughs> You know if that happens, I will never let that down. Uh, people still bring it up. People that confuse me with one of our other PAs, Jason, people confuse me with him all the time for some reason. They're like, was that you or Jason? I always tell them it was Jason. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Confuse you with Jason? Jason, yeah. I don't know which one, but. So here's my little preamble about stories. The central theme of this episode series is stories. Stories are a huge part of our human experience, regardless of your profession. They help us make sense of the world. Each of us is made up of our own experiences and stories. And this is even more notable in emergency medicine, where we see things on a daily basis that can impact us. This causes huge highs and deep lows in our own emotions and can cause us to leave work on top of the world or crushed under its weight. In the quiet moments after the adrenaline subsides, we find ourselves surrounded ultimately by stories. Stories of resilience, hope, victory, and stories of despair and tragedy. Sharing these stories is not just a recounting of medical interventions. It's an offering of our humanity, a glimpse into the visceral and profound connection we forge with those we serve. We have all heard the question from the new student, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? And I usually respond with, you name it, I've seen it and move on with my life and don't answer the question. So I'm not going to ask you guys that specific question today, but we are going to talk about some stories. My paycheck. <laughs> That's the worst thing I've seen. <laughs> First, let's kind of talk about failures in emergency medicine and maybe a time that you failed or, you know, a time where you learned a hard lesson. Um, I think this is a field where we typically learn things every day. Um, and so failure is very common and it's not something to be ashamed of. Um, it's something that happens to us all. I'll kind of start with a story I have. It's, it's not really a super specific patient. Um, although it's in it does center around a specific patient, I guess, but, um, this is one I can think of that happened recently. I could, I could tell you a million stories about times that I failed or, or have been ignorant of a condition or something, but, um, this one was fairly recent. Um, We'll call this lady a uh, 35-year-old. Came in, complaining of left leg pain is her chief complaint. She's got history of blood clots. So, you know, we're doing a DVT rule out. 
And when I'm ruling out, ruling out a DVT, I typically ask them if they're having chest pain or shortness of breath. Because if we find a blood clot in their leg, you know, do we have to be worried about one in their chest as well? So, you know, are you having any shortness of breath and chest pain? She says no, but I have this weird feeling in my chest. And you're like, oh, okay, that's not really a totally negative answer to that question. Mm. But she's got some pain in her left leg. She's really, I mean, she's not tachycardic. Her oxygen stats are fine. Her creatinine's a little bit elevated, so I'm kind of hesitant just to order a contrast scan on her and kind of affect her kidneys that way. So I kind of wrote it off and said, you know what, we're gonna, she, we're probably gonna find a DVT. We're gonna treat her with blood thinners anyway. So if she has, she has a blood, a blood clot in her lung, it's probably not gonna be so significant that we wouldn't treat her outpatient anyway. And so I didn't order the scan. And a more experienced physician uh, came by and rounded on her, and he said, you know, Aaron, I think we actually need to order the PE study. It's like, yeah, I was kind of thinking about it and I, I kind of decided not to. And he's like, yeah, let's just do it. Sure enough, she's got multiple PEs, needs to be admitted for Oof. it. And uh, usually you can see that in the vital signs. Usually they're tachycardic, hypoxic. There's some other secondary sign that this is a bad PE, not just a PE we can send home. And so that was a, a situation where I learned a hard lesson of like, eh, if you're thinking about ordering the scan, just order the scan. Because it, you know, ultimately that patient's waiting longer for a CT, had I just ordered it, you know, we would have found the diagnosis sooner. And honestly, P is one of those diagnoses where I can think of a couple stories like that, where I wasn't really on my radar and they ended up having PEs. So that's kind of a sneaky diagnosis, I think, yeah. sometimes where, you know, because we don't, we can send a lot of these patients home, you know, they're not that sick. They need to be hospitalized with a PE. They just need to be on blood thinners. But some of these people have bad enough clot burden in their lungs, we got to admit them to the hospital. And so that's just one example of, of the many times that I've failed in emergency medicine. But does anybody else have a specific story? Never. Never failed. Not once. <laughs> uh, I do, actually. So I was a pretty new paramedic and um, we had a guy, older gentleman, we'll call him Bob, uh, that lived a couple doors down from our office and um in the town that i was working in and uh he was pretty known to us he, because you know he lived in the neighborhood so anyway he was older and he had a cardiac arrest and we actually transported him and so on um and i gave him the wrong medicine mm. and it it didn't hurt him but it didn't help him either so uh that was quite an eye opener for me and never done that again however I feel that we kind of wax and wane in our diligence sometimes and mm -hmm. uh, we get complacent and comfortable, sometimes too comfortable to that end. Um, I was notified not too long ago last month um, that we'd gone on a call. We'll call her Mary. She's, you know, 50s, 60s, um, has a history of high anxiety and she gets ramped up really easily and she was having a little bit of chest discomfort. She said this wasn't unusual when she has uh, these periods of anxiety. And the people that were there before us um, with a bigger truck had um, <laughs> done an EKG and they had looked at it, cursed, you know, just kind of not very well. <laughs> and they said, uh, yeah, this patient is sinus and no problems. Handed it to me. I didn't look at it. And so my EMT partner, actually, she's very good with those kind of patients. Um, I'm not. And so she rode in with the patient and got to the hospital. They put her in um, triage and um, she was there for about 15, 20 minutes. They did an EKG on her and she had a pretty good 
lateral uh, MI yeah. and or anterior lateral actually. And so we looked at the. Uh, I was notified of this that it had been you know complained about. So um, our clinical education folks. Um, asked me to come look at this thing. And so I did. And I went, gosh, that's an MI. <laughs> and they went, yeah, it was a patient you had. They went, oh, damn. <laughs> they, they went to triage. I went, oh, damn, damn. Oopsie, you know, whoopsies. So, yeah. made a fucking so, so, you know, those things happen. And it, it happens yeah. at every level. Usually we catch those things, though, mm. because we're a team, right? Mm. So one person on the team will go, yeah, you missed that. <laughs> Did you see this in my right here? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I, I didn't look at it. Um, it. The lady was kind of all over the place. Um, there was lots, lots of things going on on the scene. And I don't blame the the other crew at all, you know. And I take ownership of it. It's on me, mm-hmm. you know, because I ultimately transported the patient. But I think, uh, you know, those things keep you humble and mm-hmm. uh, or should uh, anyway. But, yeah, so I had that one. You know, but you, you get them once in a while. If I could touch on it, because like, like anxiety is such an open term, mm-hmm. you know, and anxiety is a symptom, yeah. you know, like it's an emotional symptom or like, you know, because like when my heart rate spikes and I'm at 190, I'm like, I don't feel too good. <laughs> yeah. I need Edison medicine like right now. <laughs> like me and my old partner now, we had someone, it came in as anxiety and then I was training. So I'm sitting there typing. And then Trevor looked at me. He's like, hey, Nate, I think we need to do an EKG. I was like, I'm not even here. That's your partner right now. (laughs) And then literally he puts it on and he's like, Nate. And I look over. I'm like, oh, shit. Oops. (laughs) And you just see. And I'm like, that's a problem. So, no, 100 percent. You know. Yeah. Boy, anybody that's had anxiety this last month, I'm like. Yeah. I'll check this out. Yeah. I was like, just for my sanity. Yeah, it's true that if, for example, the PE study, getting a CAT scan on people, now I'm going to be ordering those tests a lot more frequently ever since that case. And that's not necessarily because it's good medicine. It's because I'm paranoid about missing that diagnosis now. Well, I think I think you were diligent because you didn't want to do like CTA because, you know, you didn't want to put that load on the kidneys and stuff. Yes, sir. Since I'm a lonely EMT, your guys are throwing around a lot of big uh, words. Contrast. Okay, thank you. Contrast with CT. It's just rough on people's it's, kidneys yeah. if they mm-hmm. have a little bit of underlying kidney disease. Like, so like it's renal shit. Yeah, yeah just because yeah. their kidneys have to filter out the contrast. So okay. we try to protect their kidneys, and so it's you know you can give them fluids. There's all you know all kinds of reasons, and of course with a a PE diagnosis, you know affecting their kidneys negatively, it's worth making that diagnosis to you know have to give them some fluids to rehydrate their kidneys. But is there any kind of contrast that's easier on the kidneys? No. No, not really. No. And, and you know those patients that that you have that have they're older, they've got arthritis. Yeah. They take They take ibuprofen. They take yeah. naproxen. You know, it's, it's a big load on your kidneys, and sometimes their their GFR is pretty low. Glomerular. <laughs> <laughs> the Thank you. Oh, okay, I was like, you're throwing acronyms right. out, bro. So, so, so yeah, we'll, we can talk later. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, if your GFR is too low, yeah. your kidneys aren't working. That's what's one of the markers for kidney failures. I know the nephron, and that's pretty much it. Okay, well, the glomerulus. <laughs> yeah, is, I know that one. <laughs> okay, that's what you're, here you go. Um, so, Captain Anatomy, Captain Class. <laughs>
All right, guys, I'm going to jump in that. here. I want to thank everybody on the live stream. If you guys got any value out of this today, and don't worry, guys, we're going to keep talking. But if you got any value out of this today, if it resonated with you, if it encouraged you, the only thing I ask is you subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Give a five-star review. That will help a ton. I don't make any money from this podcast and actually pay a fair uh, amount of money to do it. Um, so if you can support the show, that'll be very helpful. Um, if you go to practicalems.com, you can join the email list. So you know when all the episodes are coming out. Um, there's an EKG course on there as well if you want to financially support the show. Um, and we'll jump back into the conversation with these folks next time. Thanks, guys.